0: Welcome to Destination DIY. I'm Julie Sabatier. We've been pretty focused on science and sports lately. This month, we're taking a break from the Oregon Inventor Series to talk about something a little more universal. Think of it as a meditation on relationships as DIY projects.
1: DIY means doing yourself. Sometimes I do without help DIY means I try to do
2: it all by myself La la la
0: The great thing, and the scary thing, about relationships is that you get to make it all up as you go along. Sometimes, your ideas aren't the same as the person you're with, and that can lead to problems. But ultimately... Our relationships are ongoing do-it-yourself experiments. The person that got me thinking about this whole concept of relationships as DIY is Sarah Merck.
3: My name is Sarah Merck. I'm the author of the book Sex from Scratch, Making Your Own Relationship Rules.
0: Sarah is a Portland-based writer and the online editor at Bitch Media, which publishes the ever-awesome Bitch Magazine. Her book just came out on August 1st, and she describes it as a do-it-yourself approach to relationships. Sarah interviewed a lot of people with a variety of perspectives on love, sex, monogamy, and a whole host of other juicy topics. Needless to say, she's done a lot of thinking about the unwritten contracts we create with our partners. I asked her to tell me about her own relationship rules.
3: Well, it's been a big learning process writing this book, trying to figure out what are good ways to approach relationships. I sort of have more guidelines than I do lots of rules. So I think the biggest mantra I try to keep in mind is just to be more honest. I feel like in relationships I have a tendency to play down conflict and to try and just sort of like make everything okay. And so when when I think about being more honest I think, oh I have to speak up about the things I don't like. I need to speak up about the things that I want. And that's been a really helpful tool in, in relationships, you know, because it's never really like a good time to have difficult conversations. You know, like if I'm if I'm upset at somebody that I'm dating, do you bring that up like before breakfast or like before dinner or like when you're going to bed? I can't really push myself to be like completely 100% honest all the time where I'm like brutal honesty, let's like get it out. It's no, I'm more like I should just try and be more honest with the people that I'm dating about what I want and why. And it sort of it leads to a lot of conversations. I guess another rule I have um, is that if we can't like talk openly about sex and the relationship and what we want from each other and what we want in our lives, then we shouldn't have sex. And um, where do you stand on monogamy? I think monogamy is um, a great way to be in some relationships, um, but it's not for everybody and it's not the most useful way to be all the time. And I think if we go into, we sort of have like a a lot of social structures pushing us to be monogamous all the time and to see that as the only way to have a relationship and the only way that a relationship is successful. So a lot of our relationships are defined by a pursuit of monogamy. Like if it's a good relationship, you're gonna wind up monogamous forever. And I think that that sets up a lot of people for failure and it sets up a lot of people to cheat and it sets up a lot of people to be in relationships that they don't wanna be in. And so I've, I've been sort of figuring out how to talk about um, ways that you can be attracted to other people and jealousy and those kinds of issues and how you can date multiple people in open relationships. And so I guess my stance on monogamy is that it's, it's great and awesome and wonderful and lovely, but it's not the best fit for every relationship, and it shouldn't be the goal for every relationship. I
0: think, though, that people assume often that monogamy is... It's an either or thing. It's like monogamy or polygamy, you know, or like polyamory. In your book, you really explore kind of the spectrum. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you what you discovered in terms of how people think about monogamy?
3: Yeah, well, the, the, I think sort of the big misconception about open relationships and non-monogamy is that it's like a constant orgy all the time. That it's either one or the other. Either you're like married and you're like monogamous and you're sleeping with one person or you're like going on wild weekend swing or sprees. And that's that's not the reality at all. I mean, some people are totally are going on wild weekends, spring or sprees, and that's great for them. But that actually, I think of non-monogamy as a as a shift in sort of the way that you think about relationships. Do you think about like, there's one person that's made for me and I'm going to be with them? Or do you think about it like, oh, would it be okay if I'm attracted to other people? Is that, is that okay? Is that something we can talk about? Um, is it okay maybe if we want to make out with other people when we're out of town. Is that okay? Is that something that would be feel good for us or would that feel bad for us? And that um, a lot of open relationships require a lot less sex and a lot more talking than I think the conception is about them. That like sort of actually having sex with other people is sort of the tip of the iceberg. And really you have so many conversations about who you're attracted to and why and where that comes from and what you're jealous of and why and where that jealousy comes from and what you, and how you see your relationships in your life and what you want and what you're getting and what you're not getting. And so it's sort of like a different framework for relationships that requires a lot of talking. And of course, that's something you totally can do in a monogamous relationship. Like I have friends who are married who have awesome marriages where they're monogamous and they have really intense conversations about attraction and jealousy and what they like and don't like. Um, But having an open relationship kind of forces that discussion because the stakes are a bit higher when you might actually wind up making out with somebody else. That's
0: Sarah Merck, author of Sex from Scratch, Making Your Own Relationship Rules. Even if you haven't read Sarah's book, you've given some thought to monogamy and other relationship rules. We all have. We have to figure out how to negotiate our needs and our wants. So we sent our intern, Sasha Peters, out to the streets of Portland to talk to people about how they approach these difficult relationship quandaries. What did you ask people, Sasha?
2: I asked people about their relationship rules, and they might be big or small. Um, A big relationship rule was usually monogamy, but a smaller relationship rule might be like they have to love sushi
0: and where did you go to ask people these questions
2: I went all over Portland uh, to a lot of random places including a bus stop convenience store a yard sale a Thai restaurant and were people pretty willing to talk to you yeah I was really surprised at the number of people who were willing to talk to me about a subject that's so personal and sometimes people would talk to me about relationships they were currently in
0: Well, let's hear the tape. Monogamy is important to me. Trust,
1: you know, some shared interests, but also people who can uh, find their own space (laughs) so that they're not, you know, together, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week.
2: What is your name and how would you describe yourself? Ronald, and I'm a gay male resident of Portland. My name is Lindsay, and I'm a 36-year-old art teacher. Uh, I'm engaged, and my fiancé and I are in a monogamous relationship. I think it's important for me to know that the person that I'm with doesn't need to be with multiple people, that I'm enough for that person. Okay, my, my name is Tony, and I would describe myself as a very... Quiet guy that really likes to uh, go out and like to sports and uh, i like to spend time with my family and i love pets i've been here just for 15 days i'm very curious to know what uh, american guys are like uh, expecting for another guy even if uh, if this guy like me doesn't know all this culture i will be like a, very uh, open to know how, how people get through a relationship here because I would like and love to have a relationship with American Guy. My name's Megan. I'm 36 years old, and I would describe myself as a creative type. One of my favorite relationship rules I have with my current boyfriend is, is that we never say whatever because it's so dismissive. So if we're angry with each other, we just don't say, like, whatever. We, we try to talk about it.
3: Uh, my name's Caleb, I live in Texas, I teach kids how to swim, that's about it, I'm outgoing. I was supposed to come here with a girl to Portland, um, I was talking to two girls, they both found out the day before, I'm here by myself. Now they're best friends and they both hate me.
2: So in your future relationships, does that create a new rule for you?
3: Yeah. Yeah, um, honesty.
1: Honesty.
2: I think flirting is okay, but anything physical is definitely a breach of monogamy. Um, in fact, I was in another relationship with somebody who loved to call the sex lines and he seemed to think that that wasn't cheating. I'm Astrid and, um, I kind of struggle with finding ways to describe myself in general. I get bored and um, it's not that I don't like the person any less, I just, I feel like I'm missing something, not exploring other people and other things. Uh, it, it kind of is how I run my whole life. I get bored and want to try new things and it's just hard to settle down with one person. My name is Tyler and I'd say I like to share. I'm not bi, but I think everyone is beautiful, you know? My name is Moe describe myself as an easy-going people person. I particularly love having that one person I can share everything with, and that gets me, That's like we are in tune together. Um, So I don't know that I have any particular rules, but I choose to be with one person.
0: Um, Well, for me, since my faith is a big part of who I am, um, I've always put in God first, and so that's really helped me decide on who, um... Who I'm supposed to be with or who um, he wants me to be with.
1: My name is
0: Simbri and I would describe myself as a pretty easygoing, kind, loving person. Hi, my name is Long Ta. I'm from Portland, Oregon. Close mouth won't get fed, like, put it that way. You, you know, if you want something, you ask. Uh, and if you need something, um, just, tell, just tell your, your, your significant other
2: buy me flowers like I love them so so do it like you know what I mean like I guess that's silly but yeah just little things and like gift giving I think is sweet. My name is Carrie I'd say I'm um, pretty silly I like to have fun um, thoughtful I guess that'd be it.
0: When we decided to devote an entire episode to relationships, Destination DIY producer Jamie Cuddy offered to share her perspective. Something you should know about Jamie is that she likes to hand out nicknames. For example, there's Seattle Jane, her cat Mushka is known simply as The Moosh, I'm the radio boss, and this extends to her dating life as well. I thought maybe we'd hear a story about DJ Midnight or Dreamboat Eddie, or even the Texan. But instead, she decided to explore her unconventional relationship with a guy she calls her accomplice. I
1: have a lot of energy for living. No matter how late I stay up at night, my eyes power open every morning. You could say I'm both a morning and a night person. Maybe I'm just a standard-issue insomniac, but I think it's that lust for life that drives me out of bed. Do the thing you fear, and death of fear is certain. That's my mantra. You could say I'm a typical adrenaline junkie. I have an appetite for heights, for spicy foods, for new experiences, and a lousy instinct for dating. I'm attracted to all the wrong ones. There was the touring musician who left me for a groupie. The guy who tried to trick me into a three-way as if I wouldn't notice. The guy who is secretly on meth. AND the guy who booty called me at midnight on the night before our first date. But what do I have to fear? No matter how haywire my romances go, I know who I am, and I can always take care of myself. Well, that's not entirely true. One might say I have the benefit of an accomplice. We've been friends for more than a decade. We used to date, but that was a disaster. We pushed each other's buttons, and we broke up all the time. We could fight about the direction that a river flows. Even our fighting style was incompatible. He liked to hash it out until there was nothing more to say, and I preferred to walk away and sleep it off. We're left with a friendship that raises eyebrows. Some people think we'll end up together, or some think that one of us must be pining for the other. We know that's in our past, but we definitely trigger questions straight from when Harry met Sally. You realize, of course, that we can never be friends. Why not? What I'm saying is, and this is not a come on in any way, shape, or form, is that men
3: and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way.
1: We tend to over-process, over-communicate, and overshare. Sometimes it's just about guitar pedals and thrift store finds. We also rely on each other for dating insight. For example, that barista was definitely flirting with him, and he should absolutely text her. It's clear to me. We tag team on all those life maintenance activities like the dreaded suburban box store runs. We cranked the pixies when we painted his bedroom orange. We're both writers and barflies, which I know is redundant, but we've blurred through hours and years. Debriefing our days, hashing out tactics for our jobs, and just future tripping. A few years ago, I worked on a story that required me to interview a pimp in his place of business. I dragged my accomplice along with me. He was just there for backup, as he always is. When I had a pregnancy scare, of course I turned to my accomplice instead of the presumed impregnator. It turned out to be a false alarm. But I knew that whatever happened, I wouldn't be completely on my own. We have these defined roles that we play in each other's lives. He completely handles my car problems, for example. I hold the flashlight. I keep him from flaking on important appointments, and I remind him to call his mom. We've talked about how our friendship would change if we found serious partners. I'm out there. I like to date. I hear all these dating horror stories from women who are so weary or disappointed by the men they meet. And I have my horror stories, too. But I say, if you despise dating, you're doing it wrong. Then again, in my case, maybe the stakes are lower. A lot of my needs are already met. And when I can turn over the difficulties of my day with my accomplice, the boyfriend just gets the fun, Jamie the Jamie that wants to run around and stay up all night and have an exciting life. I once started writing a dating biography. Each chapter was dedicated to a different guy. I never finished it, which is uncharacteristic because I'm damn good at finishing things. I just didn't know how to end it. And that's just the trouble with a deep dive into my relationships. I have no clue who I'll meet or when and how the rules with my accomplice will change. Our relationship has its critics and skeptics. Some say because of our entanglement, we're cut off from meeting romantic partners, that love interests will view us as taken, or that we're not trying as hard to find someone. I hear that. We've talked about it, and I suppose there's some truth in it. But for now, it's working, and it's the relationship that sees me through all the others.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Destination DIY. I'm Julie Sabatier, and I produce this episode with lots of help from engineer Brian Kramer, editor Laura Hatton, producer Jamie Cuddy, and intern Sasha Peters. Gray Ann created the Destination DIY theme song. In this episode, you also heard music composed and performed by Jason Leonard. We get legal help from Cole Haver. Support for Destination DIY also comes from Leanne Locker & Associates, Crafting strategic arts and letters for good. More information is at leannelocker.com. And we couldn't do what we do without the support of our sweet, charming, and far flung listeners like Alex Johnson. Hi, this is Alex Johnson in Doha, Qatar. The Destination DIY podcast is available for free pretty much any way you want it iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and of course, you can always find them at their website. DestinationDIY.org You'll find photos, audio archives, and all kinds of web-only content. All the details are at DestinationDIY.org The team dishes out DIY news and other findings via Twitter and Facebook. Just look for DestinationDIY. And don't forget, it's not too late to support the show like I did. Just look for the Please Donate link on the website, DestinationDIY.org